Hi folks. On this episode, we speak with Kieran Warwick, co-founder of Alluvium, a video game developer and publisher of AAA play-to-earn crypto games. Alluvium's open-world exploration, NFT creature collector and auto-battler game is built on the Ethereum blockchain. Kieran talks to us about his sibling rivalry with his crypto bro Kane, founder of SNX, his love of gaming, and the reasons he identified blockchain as a no-brainer when it comes to advancing the inherent utility of in-game digital assets. We learn about how Alluvium plans to compete with traditional AAA games, the recent land sale, how it makes use of Layer 2 solutions to solve for scaling, and their forthcoming release plans. I hope you enjoy the show. Please note that this podcast does not constitute financial product advice. You should consider obtaining independent advice from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Kieran, thanks so much for joining me on today's show. No worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I'd I'd love you to tell our audience about your background. You know, I guess what was before Alluvium and then and then we can jump into the to the you know the juicy stuff. For sure. So I've been I guess what you would call a a serial entrepreneur, which is basically a a fancy way of saying I've I failed a bunch of times until (laughs) until this point. But uh, but yeah, so I've been very interested in uh, startups for quite some time now. My exposure to crypto began in 2016 when myself and Kane, my brother, who runs Synthetics Protocol, we decided to start the first over-the-counter Bitcoin exchange. And so you can literally walk in, hand over a thousand bucks and buy yourself a Bitcoin back then. Got into trading alts from there. I, I was very interested in Ethereum and uh, a couple of other startups in the space that were that were doing ICOs. And I started trading. I, I loved it, but I got wrecked on Ethereum early on. <laughs> and uh, And so I actually ended up leaving and I founded a food tech startup that lasted a few years. We ended up getting a partnership with DoorDash. But uh, by that time, basically, the COVID had had hit pretty heavily and it did not help us. And so I decided to jump back into crypto. Yeah, well, swings and roundabouts, right? And uh, and it sounds like you've, you've been on a couple. Obviously, I've had a bit to do with, with Kane over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was on the show as well. And he's talked to us a little bit about uh, synthetics and the kind of history there. Were you involved with Haven at all? The only involvement that I had is that I raised uh, some, I think it was like half a mil maybe of their, of their round. And he said to me, you know, if you, I, I, I'm quite interested in capital raising. I, I find it really fun. And so he knew that I had a bit of a network. And so he asked me to go out and, and raise some money for him. But that was about it. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. Okay, so then you return to crypto. That's a really interesting um, story because a lot of people come in at different points in time and stay in or or, mm. or or leave for good. So it's really interesting that you kind of you, you you left and you've come back. So what brought you back? What was the thing that was interesting to you again? Uh, and yeah, tell me about I guess the seeds that that the, the kernel that became Alluvium. 
Yeah, so we, I mean, Kane and I are very, very competitive, but there's nine years difference in, uh, in age between us, but we're very, now that we're both, you know, like growing up, he had a, a massive advantage in, in that he was older, but now that it's evening out, it's, uh, it's leveled the playing field a bit. And it was basically him who sort of antagonized me into it by saying, <laughs> He, he was like, Haven, uh, sorry, uh, synthetics had just started taking off when I got back into it. Or it, it had been going strong for about nine months or so. And we're in the car. And I remember it still to this day. It's like two years ago now. And he literally, he turned to me and he said, yeah, you know, like, even if you do well, you know, you'll never be able to catch me now. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was oh, like, man. No, mate. Like, I was like, no, nah, I, I do not accept that. And I, and it made me start racking my brain. Like the COVID situation with my food tech startup had, had hit. And I was sort of thinking I've got to do something else anyway. And that was the trigger point where I thought, you know what? Why don't I just beat him at his own game? Nothing like a bit of sibling rivalry, hey? Well, that's cool. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's dive into the project then because it's really, really interesting. It's um, on fire in a good way, not a bin fire, like a proper yeah. <laughs> on fire emoji on fire. And, you know, something that I've been following, it's really interesting to me. Um, and and were, you a, were you a gamer? Yeah, I've been a gamer pretty much my entire life. Like our, our dad had us on the computers very, very early on. And so naturally we, being so competitive, as soon as we found video games and how competitive they could be, all four of us brothers just played like there's so many games that we played growing up so yeah pretty much a gamer all my life any favorites anything worth mentioning everquest was the first i don't know if it was the the, i think maybe diablo came out before that but everquest was the first mmo that i certainly got into and like our family got into and I remember we literally had to like there's there's four of us and there was only a single PC that we had or Mac that we had and uh, actually no it was a PC sorry we 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 begged and we got a PC but um, we used to segment up our time and like the older brothers got a little bit they they got hour slots and we got thirty minute slots <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah we got to a point where our dad basically had to ban us from from that game because it was so addictive. Yeah, uh, guess what? I think parents are still out there banning kids from games, so nothing's nothing's changed. Uh, yeah, I, I grew up playing games. Maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm more more Kane's vintage, but I yeah I I think that there's there's like a real soft spot for me for games, even though I have very little time to play them right now. I have this kind of like, ima- I have this like imaginary life in which I'm able to play lots of games still. <laughs> yeah, no, I kind of watch that 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 alternate me through the looking glass every now and then. Yeah, it's sort of it's it's laying dormant in all of us. I was kind of the same, you know. Like for the last ten years, I trying to build businesses. It's not really conducive with. <laughs> being uh, uh being able to game pretty much all day so um yeah it's it's agreed. good to be able to get back and and play my own game and not feel guilty yeah that's amazing okay well tell me about this game 
Yeah, so it's it's basically like keeping it really simple. It's kind of an amalgamation of team fight tactics, which is an auto battler style of game, and Pokemon. And so you have this open world exploration where there's seven different regions for you to go and uncover. And your job as a ranger crash landing on this planet is to go around and figure out what what happened. What, why is the planet like this? What are these creatures that we call alluvials? And why are you a ranger that has to go around and capture these things and then battle them against other players? Like w- w- what is the reason for all of this? So there's like an end game in, in, in alluvium? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You the the idea is that you you beat the game, but at the same that in, in terms of the story part, yes. But mm. in terms of the auto battler and like the the ranked battles, that's something that is more akin to like esports, where yeah. you you can always play, you can always go into that competitive scene. But then mm. if you want to, to go through and, and do the story mode, then that's going through the overworld. That's cool. So you can play in a story mode. Uh, and, and when you do that, uh, are you playing with other uh, human characters at the same time? Or are you experiencing that yourself? And then you're playing other human characters when you're battling? Correct. Yeah. So you're, you're in your own sequence. You're in your own world. And you, you're going through and you're capturing these the, the creatures. And then the PvP side of it starts when you go into the arena and you start battling people. Okay, cool. So it feels like we've scratched the surface a little bit. Can you kind of like zoom out and give me the story about Alluvium? And I guess the thing that's, you know, you know one of the things that's different about Alluvium is, from my perspective is that you know you're using NFTs and using crypto in the back end of this game? Talk to me about that and and what and, and where you landed with the common, some of the decisions that you've made around around this and and what you think it brings. Yeah, so the underlying technology is what really drew me into this space, like the the ability for gamers to own their assets and have the the option to go and sell them on a marketplace is is really really what what drew me in to to the space but the the thing that is lacking is the quality of games that people are used to in the mainstream and so the analogy that i give or the the situation that i give is imagine if you were able to go out and and play pokemon or or pokemon go even because that's the most recent uh, version you could literally go out into the world and capture these things, but the IP is owned by Niantic, the, the publisher of Pokemon. And so you can go and capture the rarest Pokemon in the world that has amazing stats. It's like perfect. And it does nothing for you, right? You don't own that. You can't sell that. And so what we're doing differently and, and how we integrate NFTs is when you capture an alluvial, which is our Pokemon equivalent, that is your property. You own that mm. and no one can take that away from you. And that's kind of what is is has been a gripe for many, many years in, in a bunch of different marketplaces where 
gamers say, well, look, I've invested $2,000 into this and, and, and or 3,000 or 10,000 or whatever crazy amounts it is. Plus, plus and, hours. Yeah. Plus hours, right? Like, which is arguably more valuable to, to these yeah. people. And they have other people that are willing to purchase that, right? They see the value. Hey, you went and grinded 20 hours a day for, <laughs> let's hope not that much, but you know, like these people are building up their, their war chest inside this game and effectively it has no value, no real world value. That's what we're changing. In our game, you can sell those characters, you can trade them, you can gift them to people. It's it's a free open market. So how do you enable that? Um, uh, and and why? Yeah, I guess why haven't some of the big, you know, developers gone this way yet? Well, I mean, it's a it's an interesting situation because we're a, we're a f- the first fully decentralized AAA studio, and so what that means is we we take that DeFi approach to the project and and it's literally a situation where instead of it being a corporate owned entity it's owned by the community right and we actually display that by distributing a hundred percent of revenues back to the people that are staked in the protocol and so it's this whole paradigm shift that gamers need to to start understanding which is giving the power and the revenues back to the people who are playing the game right it's 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 shifting that and i think the reason why web2 games are hesitant to do this is it probably means giving away a bunch of their revenues but the way that we see it is yes we're giving uh, we, we distribute the revenue back to uh, to the people in the community and the stakers and the investors and, and whatever, but we think the network effects of that will mean that we will actually, the, the business will actually make more in the long run because we'll have so many more players that love this system where it's like, hey, this isn't just some corporate entity that is receiving hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue for like skins and stuff like that. This is a situation where all of the revenues get distributed back to the people who are actually playing the game. That's fascinating. So not only can you own your artifacts and and, and any assets that you kind of build up while playing, as, a, as someone who then, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you know, the Illuvium, the game, you have your own token and that that token represent that will accrue and distribute revenues that are, that are generated by trading or, or or selling of assets in the game back through to people who are holding that token. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's really fascinating. Um, okay. So um, I've had Robbie Ferguson from IMX uh, on this show. I noticed that um, on your platform because you've just done a land sale. I'd like you to tell me about that land sale. And I noticed that you guys are using IMX. Can you tell me about you know, that, how that went, what the land sale was all about, like what you were trying to achieve there and, and what occurred and, and also how you executed that? Yeah, so the land sale, we, we needed to sell plots of land for our companion game, Alluvium Zero. So that's a, a mobile idle clicker city builder type game similar to like a, a sim city 
uh, back in the day. And essentially what those, what you're doing on those land plots is you're extracting fuel and that fuel is what is used in the main game to power transactions. So things like traveling, capturing alluvials, uh, any, any sort of uh, crafting fees, all of that takes fuel. And so, so the landowners have a very, very important role in providing that fuel to be purchased by the players of the main game. So we get this, it, it starts to get pretty complex, but you get this real world economy across both sides where you've got the landowners who are trying to produce the different types of fuel and you've got the players who are consuming those different types of fuel and depending on the supply and demand at the time, that will uh, that that has an effect on the in-game pricing. So one day you might be traveling and it costs you ten dollars. The next day you're traveling and because there's been a huge resource dump on, on onto that pool, all of a sudden it's it's way way cheaper for you to go and purchase that fuel and and uh, and travel. And so that's that's a, in a nutshell what Alluvium Zero is, and that's why we needed to sell those plots. Obviously, we didn't want to follow in the, the same path as some previous NFT sales that have been done on layer one. And, uh, and we're launching our main product on IMX anyway. And so we thought rather than sell these land plots on layer one, let's move to IMX now. And, uh, and we did so. And it was incredible the the savings that that we had i i estimate that we saved about 60 percent purely in gas costs purely from using the imx solution to mint that's great great to see that being deployed live it was a really interesting chat i had with with uh with the immutable x guys and anyone who's listening can go back and have a listen to that for sure because it ties mm-hmm. in really neatly to this chat okay so um so you know the, i guess the costs Gas costs are really a problem across the whole space, irrespective of whether you're, you know, trading or buying NFTs or, or or playing games. There has been one of the big reasons that I think games have found it hard to to you know to scale. And so it's obvious why you've used IMX. But what about some of the other I I guess um user potential like kind of uh user experience issues? So have you guys done any testing and what's your feedback so far in terms of people who are playing the game and, and actually having to spend money to play a game? Because you got to, I know you spend money to play games in, 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 in like web two, but, but it's out from the sounds of things. It sounds like there's going to be more flow. Like you're going to be kind of more incremental spend as you, as you play a game like, like Olivia. Yeah. So we've got people playing the survival mode right now, which is a, a cut down version of the auto battler which is the, the arena that I was talking about earlier. And uh, the feedback has been amazing. Like it's, it's been really, really, really good. And I, I mean, I, I kind of say it's, it's like cheating because we're launching and if we were up against Web 2 games, it would probably be a 7 out of 10, right, from, from feedback from people and and I'm confident about that and I'm realistic as well maybe a 6.5 right like 
it's our first release, it's a beta, it's it's got some bugs. So I would I would be okay with that. But the fact that we are launching in a space that is very much in its infancy, and I mean you can see the the different titles that are available now, the feedback has been overwhelming like to the point where it's not even realistic and it's because people have been waiting so long in this space like two three years to get a title that can actually compete with the likes of mainstream games and uh and and so yeah we've we've done that now and and the feedback is really good and in terms of no one is paying yet so it it's, hasn't been connected up to the blockchain but when it does, we've introduced a free-to-play version of the game and there's like 35 different alluvials for you to catch. So it's not like we're saying, all right, you've got two characters that you can go <laughs> go into this yeah, single yeah. region into the overworld and you're going to hate <laughs> it. But, but hey, we're able to say that we've got a free-to-play element of the, the game. No, like this is a, this is a proper... Uh, experience for you to go in and, and test out the battling system test out capturing alluvials test out if you even like the look of the art and the feel and everything like that like another thing that we did not want to do is say hey it costs you a thousand dollars to start playing our game <laughs> like it's just it yeah that's a horror show right i mean there's a lot of criticism in the in in the and i'm an outsider here you know i don't come from the gaming world uh but watching the you know twitter and, and people talking online about gaming and even reading articles from gaming magazines uh people seem to be pretty you know nervous at, at, at best about about games that use blockchain because they're worried about the costs right and they're worried about the idea of scarcity in 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 gaming which is you know i guess there's there's definitely scarcity in games but the the expectation is that there's there's you know an infinite amount of uh, possibility in gaming and people get nervous about the idea of scarcity mm -hmm. in games and, and how have you guys been um finding that kind of feedback and pushback are you, are you are you engaged in that conversation online and what's your view on this look i mean the gaming industry the web 2 gaming industry industry right now is frustrated because a lot of the capital flow just went to web 3 games and so you've got these web 2 builders that are sitting there saying like we make fantastic games we've proven that for the last 10 20 years yeah. and just because we don't have nfts doesn't mean that it's not a good game and like and and to be honest i don't blame them right because when you look at the games that the that where the capital is flowing to it's like what what about us you know like we we're the one like these games are 20 years back right like we were building these back in you know yeah. early 2000s so yeah it's and, and, yeah and and it's this transition period where we're seeing a small portion of those devs come to web3 and go you know what if you can't beat them join them We'll just make good games here and we'll utilize NFTs. And that's, but that's a very, very small percentage. A lot of them are steadfast, right? And they're sitting there and they're saying, nope, we are not moving. Like we're staying true to gaming. And what that's doing is all of their followers, all of the people that have been playing their games for decades now, 
are saying, hey, that that person that I follow that I trust is saying that NFTs are bad and it's not actually because of the technology, right? Like immutable is already carbon neutral. Like there's that's just noise that's around the fact that capital is as as transferred and it's gone over to web three because there are investors who genuinely think that this is going to be the next wave it's like subscription gaming when that came out it was the exact same thing people freaked out and then everyone started doing it and so the investors jump first and i think over time that 90 percent will slowly trickle across and with it will be their followers and it's not like people are like we hate these publishers of web3 they they're just going with what they know right now and what their sort of leaders in the space are saying but i think it's only a matter of time before that that breaks down yeah i that, that makes sense and i think the uh the, the time right now it, it is so experimental like so so i could see why there's been you know, pushback and, and nervousness and kind of just reticence, really. People mm-hmm. people don't like new stuff. Well, it's it's sounding really promising. So I guess what would be cool for you to tell me a little bit about is just what's coming. Um, I know you've just had the land sale. What are the next? So you've got uh, a different version of the game, of the games rolling out. Can you tell us a little bit about timeframes in terms of what your expectations are for releases? And and also, I guess, where you want to take the game, like what, how, how broad does this go once you've, once you've made this releases? Um, do you have ideas about, you know, other applications for, for, for Alluvium? Mm-hmm. So the next thing that will be released is Alluvium Zero, the, the alpha. So the actual game where you can play on the land that will be released sometime in the next uh, four to six weeks. Then uh, just bef- just after that, we'll have Aluvatars, which is our PFP project where you essentially build up your own in-game avatar using things like um, items that you get from in-game and stuff like that. So that's like a little side-ish project for, for people to, to get cool. involved in. Then later on in the year, that's when we'll have our release of the Overworld, which I think a lot of people are waiting on. That's where you essentially go out and capture the alluvials. So that's your uh, open world, yes. open, open world game. Yeah, yeah. The the open world, and uh, in in the in between that, we've got a whole bunch of stuff in terms of like beta two, which. It gives you a few more characters inside the the beta that's going on right now. There's a few more features. And so it's probably going to be a, a very modular uh, rollout. Cool. Well, there's lots lots coming and, and, and lots of exciting stuff to, to to see play on. So so I think probably the, the perfect time to close off the show. Thanks so much, Kieran, for sharing, you know, your insight into this, uh, to your experience and, and also this this space. It's yeah, really exciting and, and really pumped to see all this stuff roll out. No worries, Jonathan. Thanks again for having me on. Thanks everyone for joining me on this show and for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice. And we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember... You can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com slash learn. Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller, and this has been The Crypto Frontier.